Good morning, church. Good morning, church. If you're outside, come in from the cold and into a dark room. It has got, has it got dark or is it just am I wearing the wrong glasses? No, the right glasses. Well, welcome to church, everyone. I hope you've had a lovely week. We had some sunshine yesterday for anyone that can't remember what that was. It's that big yellow thing in the sky that makes everything feel warm and you feel cosy. Um, it's gone now, uh, so that was it. So I hope you enjoyed it. Um, right, let's crack on with some prayer and some Jesus stuff, shall we? Lord, we thank you that you have brought us safely together again, Lord. Father, we open up this space to you. We open up this space to you as well. Lord, we open this space to you. We open this space to you. We open this space to you. Lord, we open all of us, all of ourselves open to you this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, be with us, teach us, guide us, speak to us. Help us, Lord, to worship your name. Help us to bring you glory this morning. Amen. Mike, you're going to come and do our reading this morning, or readings, rather. Let me pray for you. Lord, we thank you for Mike. Um, Father, we just pray now that the words that Mike reads out, Lord, will speak to us, not just to our earthly side, not just to our flesh, Lord, but to our hearts. Father, may the words that Mike reads to us change us in some way for the better, Lord, this morning. I pray that you will give him confidence, you will give him strength, and you will empower him by the gift of your Holy Spirit, Father, to read these words with meaning and into our hearts. Amen. Uh, the first readings from Matthew 7, verses 7 to 12. Ask, seek, knock. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Second readings from Matthew 7, verses 24 to 27. The wise and foolish builders. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. Final readings from James 3, verses 13 to 18. Two kinds of wisdom. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Well, this morning we are learning about wisdom again. Uh, last week, if you remember, we looked at wisdom in the Old Testament. We looked at those wisdom texts, so Ecclesiastes and Job and Proverbs, uh, what we looked at specifically last week. We looked at how that wisdom was given to Job um, through the trials that he suffered. Uh, we looked at how that wisdom was given to King Solomon uh, because he asked for it. And we, we looked at what wisdom looked like in the Old Testament times. This week, we're looking at wisdom in the New Testament. And we're looking specifically at Jesus. I know, what a surprise, looking at Jesus in the New Testament. Jesus was, above all, the son of who? God. And God is... What's God? God is love. And with love comes wisdom. And this morning we're looking to see how Jesus used wisdom, where he got that wisdom from, who he passed that wisdom to, and what he wanted it to accomplish. So, one of the best places to look at, if you want to know who Jesus is, what Jesus was about Jesus's core fundamental teachings if you want to cut out all of the rest and have it in black and white or red and white as it is in my bible the best place to go in the entire bible is Matthew okay now your homework this week cue the collective sigh is to read Matthew Chapters, chapters, five, six, seven. Now there you will find Jesus's fundamental teachings. It's known as the Sermon on the Mount. And in there you will see very clear 
black and white teaching on exactly who he is, what we should be doing, and who is wise, who is loved by God. So, he has the Beatitudes, okay? So these things where he, he talks about those that are blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. Um, and he goes on, describing all of these people who are blessed, who to earthly appearances would not be the most blessed-looking people in the world. He talks about the salt and the light. You know, if the salt loses its saltiness, what are you going to do with it? You're going to chuck it on the fire. It's no good. You need to be the salt. You need to be the seasoning in the world. He talks about him being the fulfillment of the law. He talks about adultery, murder, divorce, making promises and oaths to, to God. He talks about revenge. He talks about love for your enemies. He talks about giving to the needy. He talks about prayer and shows us how to do it. He talks about fasting and how we should approach it. He talks about the storing up of treasures in heaven. He talks about anxiety, about how we shouldn't worry, that we should put our trust in him. And he talks about judging others. And he asks us to knock on his door. He asks us to seek him. And he tells us that if you knock on his door, he will open it. And if you seek him, you will find him. Then he tells us that narrow is the path. Narrow is the gate to reach God, to reach heaven. Then he tells us about true and false prophets. So the ones that are telling the truth about God and the ones that are lying about God. And then, after all of that, he tells us that what I've just said is a firm foundation for you to build your life upon. So when you go home this week, throughout the week, read through these chapters they are possibly the most revolutionary words you will ever read. You can read the Communist Manifesto if you want to, and you can, you can see how that would have been revolutionary in its time. You can read any other book you want that has caused a stir in the world, but never has a sermon caused so much pain and anguish, hope and love. Why pain and anguish? Because it's very easy to understand. And in that, you are brought to a realisation that you're guilty of a lot of stuff. Here is a mirror for us. Jesus sets out who is the blessed? Who are the ones that are going with him to heaven. Now, it's also an instruction booklet. Because if you look at this and you read it, the instruction at the end is, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, and if you've read them, 
this week, you will have heard them. And here's where the challenge is. And puts them into practice. Is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now, I'm sure you've all heard the sermons before where the, the, the man or the woman giving the sermon says that, well, you know, if, when you're building a house, you need firm foundations. You need to dig it out and you need to dig into bedrock and you need all the correct foundations. And then you may begin building the house. What's above the ground, you don't necessarily see all the foundations underneath. Now, that is absolutely true and I'm not knocking that at all. You need firm foundations to build something if it's going to stand the test of time, if it's going to stand up to the ravages of the world. You need firm foundations. You don't build a whopping great big skyscraper on sand. Why not? Well, because it moves for a start. That's not entirely helpful to build on. Um, and what is our culture? What is culture? Is that an immovable object? No, it's not. We might think it is, and in this part of the world, in 21st century Britain, in Western society, we believe that what we have here will stand the test of time, and it will not move. You shall not pass, as Gandalf would say. But, if you look back into history, you will see many other civilizations that said, You shall not pass! And every one of them did. Without fail. Hundreds of civilizations who, You shall not pass! Crumbled into dust. And are now lying in ruin, buried, forgotten, and past. Our society will most likely end up the same way. Everything that we knew was the truth, everything that our culture said was the truth, will be forgotten. The principles, the moralities that we hold true as Western society are changing right now. It can't be denied that left is right, right is left, down is up, up is something else. What we know about our society is changing. Irrecoverably so. It's probably dying as we speak. We might not see our society move in the direction we thought it might. It is sand. If we build our hopes on our culture, our society, our way of life and living and believing and thinking, it's sand. It's blown away by the winds of time, the turning of the tide of change. It is not This sermon is a fixed point in time. It is a fixed point in the spiritual realm. It is a fixed point in our realm. It is a fixed point in the heart of God. 
This does not change. You can try and change it, but it doesn't change the fact. You can change the interpretation of each of these words and make it what you want to say. You can allow that to happen, but it doesn't change what it means. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God is his word, is he not? So however we interpret this doesn't really matter because the truth is that God knows what it says. And we will be measured on what God believes this says. We must build our lives on these words. If you read nothing else this week, read Matthew 7, 6 and 5. The Sermon on the Mount. But don't just read it. Take note of the really, really important bit right at the end about building on something strong, being wise. Now, Jesus wasn't talking to a bunch of people who had just walked out of a vacuum. They were embedded in the Old Testament culture, the Old Testament teachings. The Pharisees were around, they were teaching. The Sadducees were in the temples and they were teaching. God's word was preached from every street corner there was a temple, there were offering stations, there were all sorts of things. These were a very religious people. These were a people that knew about God. You couldn't go down the street without knowing about God. And yet this teaching was so revolutionary, it shocked them. Because Jesus came and taught us about the spirit of the word. Not the letter of the law, but the spirit. So when he talks about, and I've said this so many times before, about um, murder. He said, well, you, you've heard it said that you shall not kill. But if, you've hate, if you hate someone, that's, that's, that's murder in the eyes of the Lord. Jesus taught the spirit of the law. And we must look upon the spirit of the law as being the real interpretation of the law. So we need to build what we know about the Bible, about the Old Testament, based on what Jesus said it was. Does that make sense? So the Old Testament's quite confusing, isn't it? And there's lots of laws and there's lots of rules. And we might look at the Old Testament and go, I just don't know what to do with this. This is incredibly hard. There seems to be a lot of people getting cut up and thrown away and burned. I don't think... I'm going to go to the nice Jesus bit. Yeah, go to the Jesus bit. There we go. Oh, it's all red. It's lovely. Jesus. Ah. Oh. We love the Jesus. He's all nice and cuddly. Well, he was not cuddly to the people that heard this. It was shocking to them. Because they built their life on what they thought God's word was. And Jesus came along and went, whipped the rug out from under them. And the Pharisees couldn't stand it. We've built our entire organization on these truths. 
We've lived out the law of the land, the law of God. We are absolutely embedded in God's word. Sorry, excuse me, poor person, clear off. How dare you come to me because you're hungry. I'm a Pharisee. How dare you, needy people. But that's not what Jesus taught, was it? They built their faith, they built their religion on something that shifted. They missed the real focus of the Old Testament. They missed the point because they didn't know who Jesus was. They didn't know who they were looking for. And when he came, they didn't recognise him. But when Jesus gave this sermon, the true wisdom of God was revealed and they did not like it. In fact, they didn't like it so much they put him to death because of it. Now in James, the book of James, very good book. If you're a new Christian or you're, you find the Bible a little bit of a struggle, I'm going to recommend James to you. It's a lovely short book. How many chapters have we got? Five five chapters it's all very black and white all right there's no really really in-depth deep theology you don't need a degree to understand the book of James he basically says do this don't do that do this don't do that do this don't do that if you're that you need to be there if you're there stay there don't go over there that is James in a nutshell now James says who is wise and understanding among you let them show it by their good life by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual and demonic. Now, James is the half-brother of Jesus. He grew up with Jesus, and he was writing this as a kind of a Today, I suppose it would be a little leaflet at the back of the church that says, so you're a new Christian. Here's what to do. That's what the book of James is. It was a little pamphlet kind of given out to new Christians, new believers, to give them the basic rundown of what a godly life looks like. And he's saying here that the earthly wisdom and the evilness that comes from it is unspiritual and demonic. And it gives you these little bitter envy. <coughs> envy, what's envy? Covetousness, jealousy, isn't it? Jealousy. Why have you got that? I wanted that. Hmm. There's a little seed, isn't it? You see something someone's got. Hmm. Oh, I wanted that. That's a seed that's planted possibly in fertile soil in your heart. Leads to resentment. That bitterness then comes up as like a bile almost. It poisons you and before you know it, you are hating that person. And in the eyes of God, thanks to the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, we know that hating someone is murder. So covetousness jealousy, envy, 
can lead to us destroying ourselves. What else does he say? Selfish ambition. Selfish ambition. Different than ambition. It's okay to be ambitious. Friday, Laura and I went out for a meal and I ordered this huge burger. I, I order it every week. Uh, it's got two southern fried chicken burgers. It's got two uh, quarter pound beef burgers in a bun with bacon, nacho cheese sauce and fries. Now, I have to say I am on Slimming World. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> confessing that right now. And every week it gets a little harder to consume that burger. This week I ordered some, sudden, uh, some uh, sweet potato fries to go with it. That was ambitious. <laughs> After the garlic bread. And the nachos. That was ambitious. It wasn't selfish ambition. It was foolish ambition, probably. But it was ambitious. If you're starting out in a career and you want to do the best you can and progress up through the ladder, that's not selfish ambition. That's you wanting to accomplish something good. If you're doing it for the right reasons, that's okay. Selfish ambition is very much all about you and screw everyone else. What was that old saying? They used to say, be careful about the way you treat people going up because you'll meet them on the way down. Well, that's kind of what this is saying. Selfish ambition. Wanting to put yourself above others and climbing over them to get there is not the way forward and it will lead to destruction. He goes and says that it's unspiritual. So it's not of the Spirit. It's not of the Holy Spirit. So it's against the Holy Spirit. And it says it's actually demonic. That it's actually, this comes from the other side. Satan, Lucifer, the enemy, bootface, whatever you want to call him, saying that these things are the seed of the enemy. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all, first of all, its main characteristic, its defining characteristic, is that it is pure. It's untainted. It is not like the earthly one that may look great, but is a, there's a stirring of something not quite right. This is pure. The wisdom that comes from God is pure, and it leads to... Peaceful loving. Peace. Not just the opposite of war. Peace in your heart, your soul. And when you've got peace in your heart, the ability to love others without the selfish ambition and the bitter envy, when you have peace in your heart, it's so much easier to love other people, especially if they have bitter envy and selfish ambition in their hearts. You can work God's wisdom into their life. You're in a much better position to not only keep yourself safe, but to help try and get them 
out of their position. Peaceful, loving, considerate makes you considerate. The wisdom of God makes you considerate. So you're not putting your needs above their needs. You are considerate. You are putting yourself, is it the first must become the last? You are putting yourself underneath other people, considering their needs. And it says submissive. Now, Jesus was submissive. He was submissive to the will of God. We must submit to the will of God. And that's difficult for us. All of us struggle with submitting to the will of God, don't we? To say, fine, I'm going to do it your way. Your will, not mine. That's really hard to do. It's easy for the preacher to say that. You should submit to God. But you know what? Our flesh doesn't want to. It doesn't like God, our flesh. It likes huge burgers on a Friday. It likes sex. It likes causing anguish. It likes all the things that God doesn't. Our bodies just seem to crave stuff that's not good for us. But if we submit, if we submit to the will of God, and we have the Holy Spirit in us, we have the power to do it, but we have free will. We have to choose it. We have to choose to submit to the word of God, to the wisdom of God. And that is incredibly hard. And I've not met one person yet that does that 100% of the time, by the way, other than Jesus, obviously. What else does it say? Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Now, remember, Jesus was talking and these disciples were talking to people that were in an agrarian culture. They were farmers. So the idea of sowing and reaping would be very, very prevalent in their culture, their society. They would know exactly what that means. So you know that the sowing is a difficult job. You have to go out, you have to make sure the soil has been worked properly. It's the right time of the year. You have to get the spacing right. It's not just a question of just uh, chucking stuff out. You have to do a lot of preparation. You have to nurture, you have to care. The conditions have to be right. And then when all of that work is done, the really hard bit comes where the harvest comes in. Now, harvesting nowadays is relatively easy. It means a farmer in a gilet sits in a big tractor, done. Um, but in those times, everything was picked by hand. If you wanted to eat, you had to work hard. So to, to get righteousness, to, to sow something and then receive righteousness as the fruit of that, that would have really spoken to them. Well, I could, if I am peaceful and I am kind and I am loving and I put the needs of others before myself, I then get the almost impossible harvest of righteousness given to me. Given to me. I don't have to work for this harvest. It is given to me by God. 
I am righteous. And that's the point of the Christian walk, isn't it? We, are, we have Christ's righteousness put onto us by believing in him, by turning away from sin. Christ puts his righteousness on us. He clothes us in his righteousness. We then sow that out to the rest of the world. That's the point. That's what James was trying to say, that earthly wisdom will get you only so far. Heavenly wisdom, wow, you, the sky really is the limit. Who knows what you can accomplish through Christ's righteousness. You're eternally present with God. When you die, you are with God forever. And on this earth, well, he's still with you. There'll still be struggles. Things will go wrong. People around you will die. He is everywhere. He is in heaven and with us. Yep. He went up, but God, God is everywhere. He is, what's the word, Om, omnipresent. He is omnipresent. So he is everywhere. He is in time and he is out of time. He can see the beginning and the end of everything. He's everywhere. You can't avoid him. So he's, no matter where you go, you might think, I don't want to be near God. No, thank you. Not having it today. And he, you're looking back going, no, not having any of it. And he's standing right there. Yeah. And you go, ha, ha, not having it. Oh, yeah. There you are. That's, that's how it works. You can't escape him. So, what we need to do on this earth is to hold on to our faith. And we do that by using God's wisdom. And if you want the 101, you go to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, you read it, and you put it into practice. That's the easiest way I can tell. The, the, the Christian walk, it'd be so much easier if we just looked at the Sermon on the Mount and put that into practice because then we are given everything we need we will recognize the need we will see the people that need jesus's love we will see the need of ourselves for jesus's love because i read the beatitudes i read the sermon on the mount and it hurts me because i don't recognize myself in that 100 percent of the time I'm sorry if that comes as a shock, but I am human. I don't always live up to God's word. In fact, if there was a percentage, I'm not going to tell you what that percentage would be. But I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. And that's the point of Jesus. He was. He is. And he always will be. And we are clothed in his righteousness to do good works on this earth. And that's what the Beatitudes, that's what the wisdom of God in the New Testament was saying. Choose Jesus. Do good works. Crack on. Now next week, 
we will be looking at what we can actually do to get wisdom. So if you remember, we had the um, healing service. Do you remember the, we, we learned about healing in the Old Testament? We learned about healing in the New Testament. And then we had a service where we put it into practice. And we had that amazing healing service where we saw healings taking place, physical, spiritual, and emotional healings. Well, next week, we are going to be praying for the gift of wisdom. Now, I don't know what that's going to look like yet. I don't know what's going to happen. I didn't know what was going to happen in the healing service, but I had faith, and God honoured that, and he was good, and he was very giving in his healing. If we approach it in the same way, God will be very generous with his wisdom. And, in fact, through the Old Testament and the New Testament, he says, if you ask for wisdom, I will give it. I will give it by the bucket load. We just need to ask for it. He has storehouses of wisdom up there that would rival even the largest Amazon wish fulfillment center. And we can get it delivered free and instantly. So next week, come along. If there's something in your life that you need wisdom for, whether it's uh, something inside you that needs wisdom or a wisdom for a situation that you may be facing, perhaps your friends, your family, neighbours, or maybe just wisdom for what on earth is going on in this country right now. We will be praying for God's wisdom. So, what's your homework this week? Matthew 5, 6 and 7. Read them several times if you can. Once is a must. Read them. And when you get to the end and it says a wise man puts these into practice, try it. Test it. Let's say the grace together, shall we? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen. God bless. Go in peace. Drink coffee. Drink tea. There are cakes as well, I believe, today.